Lord Jesus Christ, we praise you and adore you, and we thank you for coming and being with us this morning. Lord, I pray that you would open our hearts, that we may hear from you, and bind me from saying anything that might be harmful to these your sheep. It's in your name, Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So this has nothing to do with, with my sermon, but I was just struck this morning um, just by how much fun it is to, to come here and to set up uh, alongside you all and to hear the musicians practice. And this is just, this is a treat. This is a lot of fun. And um, you, you all make church planting feel really easy and fun. And so thank you. This is, it's just, it's a delight. Um, so many years ago, I, I've, I've shared this with you before, but I used to work Apple retail, uh, and I used to work at the Chicago Apple Store on Michigan Avenue. It was a lot of fun. It was, it was an exciting season of my life. And there was, there was one particular season or weeks or days or whatever where the energy of the store just seemed to skyrocket through the roof. You see, the, the managers had been told by corporate that our store would be receiving some special visitors. And so immediately they started uh, hiring extra cleaning crews to come. Uh, and they, they were telling, they, they didn't even themselves know who exactly was coming. They just knew someone big's coming. We need to prepare. So cleaning crews were coming. They also told us there might be some people uh, from corporate calling some of you and just asking you questions. Just roll with it. And we're like, okay, this is, this is strange. And then all of a sudden, these people in suits were coming and like going to the back rooms and talking with our managers and whatnot. And it was, it was really intense. Um, well, one day we were shopping, I think it was at Trader Joe's or whatever, and my phone rings. And someone's like, uh, hi, this is Amy from Apple PR. Do you have a minute? And I'm like, uh, yeah, sure. And she's asking me about like my political affiliation. She's asking me about my job performance. Uh, she's asking me what I want to do long term in my life. And, and I'm asking her, like, what's going on? And she won't tell me. <laughs> like, this is insane. Well, finally, our managers figure out who's coming. And then they start lotting it over us, right? You know, because if you're a manager, that's kind of what you do, I guess. And so they're like, oh, man, you guys are going to be so excited. And we're like, is it, is it Steve Jobs? Is he coming? And they're like, no, no, it's not Steve. He, you know, he hates the Midwest. He's not coming to Chicago. <laughs> like, okay, fine. <laughs> And, and, I mean, because of the nature of the questions, we're like, well, I mean, it's not the mayor, is it? And they're like, no, it's not the mayor. And, you know, all this stuff. We kept guessing and kept guessing. Does anyone have any guess of, of who it was? Of course not, no. Obama? No, wasn't the president. Hmm? <laughs> Santa? No, it wasn't. Santa's coming! <laughs> no, it wasn't Santa. So, I know that guy. <laughs> No, so the managers, finally, uh, they pulled a, a group of us into the office, and they said, okay, so we want to tell you guys uh, what's going on. Don't tell anyone else in the store, but you're going to help us in the preparations for this. So as you know, Oprah is filmed in Chicago, and they're like, so Bono is actually going to be on the show, and both of them are coming to the store, and this is the first time that a product is going to be announced from the actual store. They're going to announce the, the product red iPod. Um, I'm hearing this voice in my head like, stop talking about the Apple store, Rick, and get on with the, get on with the message. I get really excited about this stuff. 
But yeah, so some of you might have seen like red, the product red stuff and you know, in the stores and whatnot. So that was announced there. And unfortunately, I was not the employee picked to talk with these esteemed celebrities. However, my backside was on television. So I was you know, very, very surprised and delighted by that. Um, but as you can imagine, the energy in the store was just insane, especially when we knew that someone was coming, but we didn't know exactly who it was. We knew that the, the walls needed to be spotless. We knew that the, the uh, merchandise needed to be straightened. We knew that our, our clothes needed to be cleaned, which for Apple employees is kind of a big deal. Um, so we had all of this preparation going. Well, that energy is just a little sliver of the energy that the Jews were feeling in that day at that time that Mark tells us about in his gospel reading. You see, for a long time, they knew that a Messiah was coming. And they're under this Roman oppression, and they, they wanted to be freed from the Romans. But yet, God had been silent for 400 years. There was this huge mystery, and they had no idea when Messiah was coming, or even if the Lord had abandoned them, and maybe he wasn't coming uh, at all anymore. And so they were questioning and, and wondering, and I'm sure some people were, were doubting, saying, you know, God's promises, those, those were of old, those were just made up and no longer um, have any relevance. So if you have your bulletins uh, available, please turn to the, map, the Mark passage. And uh, even this first verse, I want to point out three words that really illuminate the energy that was going on in that day. And we've heard this so many times, right? In the beginning, or the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Well, we hear that, it's a part of our readings, and we just kind of click off in our brains, Right? But for those who heard this read for the first time, even that first sentence would have been electrifying. They would have gotten shivers down their spine. You see, the first word there, the word beginning, that's not, that, that is a common word, don't get me wrong, but it's uncommon in its usage there. So what, where else does a book begin with beginning? I mean, the Gospel of John, he does it as well, so he's kind of ripping off of what Mark does. But Genesis does, right? And so for the readers hearing that, they would have heard that word beginning, and they would have thought, wow, something, something creative is going on here. Something life-giving is going on here. God is on the move again here. He's going to be speaking light into darkness. He's going to be creating again. And then we have this word gospel. Now again, that's one of these churchy words that have means so many different things and so many different denominations and you know, these days people are probably like, well, what does gospel even mean? Well, back in those days, gospel, this would be a really peculiar, weird use of the word gospel because it's actually a military term. It's a term of, of good news, of, of a military victory. And so you would hear this uh, in those days. You'd be thinking, well, who won? What battle is actually going on here? And you probably would have thought about the, the Roman rule over you, and you'd be thinking, oh, so this is, there's a victory that God is promising. There's something that's about to happen here. You know, it's this royal term. You have this idea that there's going to be peace that's being declared in new territories. There's going to be captives that are going to be liberated because of this good news, because of this gospel. Well, then there's a third word, even in that first verse, that would have been very electrifying for the people there. And it's the word Christ. Now, the original is the word Messiah, uh, the promised one, the anointed one. And again, this would have been cueing to the people that God is moving again. 
Just as he's been anointing the kings of old and the, and the prophets and whatnot, he's going to be anointing the prophet, the king, the Messiah. And he's going to be coming to town again. And so like I said, anticipation and excitement is in the air. Mark wants to know his people that Jesus is about to come, uh, that God himself is about to come. And you'll see there in verse, uh, verses 2 and 3, he quotes the prophet Isaiah. And what, what Mark is trying to do here is he's trying to tell us that God is going to be sending a messenger here. Now, it would, be, it would be a mistake to think that this passage is only talking about John the Baptist. Again, we're kind of in Christmas mode, right? And so we think, oh yeah, this is a Christmas character thing. Like, you know, he's talking about John the Baptist here. But God has been preparing the world much, much longer than before John the Baptist got on the scene. So God has been preparing the world uh, ever since the fall happened in Genesis. You see, ever since they fell, Eve had been promised that one of her seed would come to crush the head of the serpent. And ever since that day, long, long ago, the people have been waiting for someone to come and do just that. And part of God's preparation has been forming a nation calling a nation out, giving them laws, teaching them about sin, giving them language about atonement and sacrifice, how to atone for sins. God has also been giving his people the kings and the prophets. He's showing that he is a wooing God who yearns for his people to come back into relationship with him. You see, the entire Old Testament is God preparing humanity for the arrival of his son. So when Jesus Christ raises from the dead, rises from the dead, the people have an actual language to describe what in the world it is that just happened. Have you ever wondered that? Like, why do we have the Old Testament? Why do we have this entire book here? You know, because God could have just sent his son immediately after Adam and Eve fell, right? Well, it's because he wants to provide them with all of this theological rich language to describe what it is that he's going to be doing through his son. In fact, the story of Israel is just a shadow, a forerunner of what God is doing in Jesus Christ. So we prepare ourselves in Advent, but we know that just as we prepare ourselves for the arrival of Jesus here in Advent, know that God has been preparing the world for you for a very, very long time. He's been wanting to introduce his son to you for a very, very long time. So John is not just a lone prophet. As he speaks, he carries the weight of the entire Hebrew scriptures. He carries their voice with him. Like the prophet Elijah, he's, he's kind of a weirdo, right? So he's eating these bubs. He's wearing this hairy clothing that's just kind of awkward. And so he's standing as Moses, as Elijah, as uh, Isaiah, pointing to Jesus. And he's not just speaking the ancient words um, of the old. He's not just speaking there to people then, but he's speaking to us here today. He's saying, pay attention. We're about to see the culmination of what God has been doing all of these years. Jesus is right around the corner. And you see at the, at the end of this reading, John seems to be saying, do you think that I'm mighty? Well, not even the, the Old Testament. Um, it, it, he's, it's as if he's saying that uh, John, symbolizing the Old Testament, isn't even worthy to stoop down and untie the shoes of Jesus himself. So we do a lot of really weird things throughout Advent, don't we? Or throughout Christmas. You know, we spend like a lot of money uh, buying presents or on travel or whatever. 
Like if you, it, it's probably a little depressing to think of just like how much of our paychecks are being spent on a lot of this stuff. And we do a lot of really weird things. Uh, some of us go outside and chop down a tree and like drag it into our house and decorate it. Like have you ever realized that's really weird and peculiar? Some of us go outside and nail lights to our, our homes, you know, and just keep putting holes after holes after holes into our homes. Like that's really weird as well. We do a lot of really strange things. In fact, uh, several of you came over to my house yesterday and we did something weird in our living room. Uh, someone hopped on the piano and we just started singing songs. Like, that's weird. Normal people don't get together and just start singing music, uh, at least these days. That's, that's kind of strange and bizarre, right? Uh, in fact, we had some, some kids there, some friends there from another culture uh, who, they don't really do a lot of communal singing. And afterwards, some of the kids ran up to my kids and they were like, what were you all just singing? And Mar and my oldest was like, you're Christmas songs. Don't you sing Christmas songs in Somalia? And he was like, yeah, yeah, sure, totally, we do. <laughs> and then later he was like, no, no, we, we definitely don't do that. So we do really weird, strange things. Well, there were some strange things going on in this passage as well. There's some bapti- baptisms going on. So what's, what's that all about? Again, here in, in Christian culture, we kind of understand what baptisms are. But back then, that was a really strange, bizarre thing. Usually, baptism was only reserved for Gentiles, for non-Jews. As they were converting to Judaism, then they would be baptized as, as a symbolic way of saying that their, their old histories are, are put behind them. But here, John says that the Jews are being baptized. It's as if they're in need of this, this ultimate cleansing, this ultimate symbolic act that they are, um, want their sins cleansed away from them. It was a very strange and bizarre thing for them to be, to be doing. You know, maybe this is just me, but I, I was wondering, what exactly does a first century Jew repent of? You know, like we're, as an American, it's like, well, we're super materialistic and selfish and, you know, so on and so forth. But like, man, what were they repenting of? And, and I don't know, scholars don't know. It's just, I, I think it's intentionally ambiguous here so that we can maybe identify a little bit with what people were doing. So I want to ask you this morning, what are you preparing for this Advent season? You know, maybe you have some relatives coming in town and you know, you're busy cleaning the house, making sure that it's perfect for mom because when mom comes, like, she, will, she will judge you if your house is not totally clean. I, I'm not speaking, Matt, of, of you and your mother. I'm, she's, no judgment going on over there, I'm sure. Uh, but what are, what are you preparing for? And then how is it that you can be preparing for Christ this season? You know, all of Advent is a season of preparation and coming. So what are some things that you could be doing in your life for this preparation? Well, we have some ideas. You know, what we've done uh, yesterday even, we went out and we rang bells, uh, just a way to kind of get into the mindset of service and whatnot, and that was fun. Uh, We also have in back some family and and home devotionals. So feel free to go and grab some of those back there. So we're trying to give you some resources and whatnot to be preparing your own hearts and your homes for the coming of Christ. So just like the Apple Store, you know, we, were, we were preparing for the coming of these celebrities back then. And it's you know, preparing for Christ, preparing for Christmas is kind of similar. We, we kind of scrub the counters a little bit. We ask questions of, of our own values and where we stand on things. 
But it's also remarkably different. I, I hope you hear me loud and clear about that. Preparing for Jesus is different than preparing for Bono. You know, Bono's pretty cool, right? But, you know, some of us, uh, it, it's, it's easy for us to get excited and, and want to prepare our hearts for um, some sort of celebrity experience that's going on. You know, I, I think of like when I was a kid and, and wanting to prepare for Santa coming and have the sort of like celebrity experience there. Or maybe we're hoping that this Christmas we'll have kind of like a, an Oprah sort of encounter where we're going to come across some kind of truth that will just unlock our, our, our lives and glean some sort of wisdom or whatnot. Or maybe we're just hoping that, you know, this might be a stretch, but with the iPod, you know, it's kind of this, this culmination of human technology and we're, and we're hoping that, you know, that, that some sort of like material um, will attain some sort of material status or, or get some sort of gadget or something this Christmas that will like bring inner peace or whatnot to us. But instead, I want to encourage us to prepare for Christ himself. Prepare for Christ himself. And you'll see here, at the bottom of this passage, verse 8, John says that I have baptized you with water, but that does not ultimately fulfill. That symbol itself is lacking, just like the old, entire Old Testament law. But Christ is coming, and he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And that's, what, that's the story that's told in these Gospels. When Christ right, will give us a new heart, when he writes his law upon our hearts, removes our heart of stone and gives us a heart of flesh, when Christ himself will lead us through these wilderness-type experiences of our lives, when he gives us words to speak to our adversaries, both spiritual and personal ones. And so I have an invitation for you, an invitation for you this year. Uh, some have said that the church calendar can be split up into five different acts. And right now we're in the first act, the act of Advent, when we wait for the coming of Jesus. The second act is, is Christmas and the 12 days of Christmas where we celebrate the incarnation. We celebrate that Christ is here among us. And then the third act is the act of Epiphany, when we, we dwell on the teachings of Christ and a lot of the events of his life. The fourth act would be Lent, preparing for that, that or walking with Jesus along that final week of his life. And then the final act would be the Easter season. And so my invitation for you is to join us in walking through the church calendar this year. Join us in walking through the life of Christ until we reach that final day of the church calendar when we, when we all celebrate the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the coming of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost, 40 days after Easter. And so for some of you, the church calendar is totally new. And so I, I invite you to come and join into that. And some of you here, you've been celebrating the church calendar for many, many, many years. That maybe church planting is, is kind of a new, crazy experience. And so my invitation to you is to step out into this risk of church planting with us, um, to see what it's like to, to walk in, in Christ's shoes in the context of a gymnasium here in the community center in South Minneapolis. What is it like to have a, a sacramental theology um, here in the community center? So that's my invitation to you all this morning, is to prepare yourselves both here in Advent for the coming of Christ, but also prepare, let's, let's have a year of preparing ourselves by walking with Christ through the church calendar. So with that in mind, let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you that you did not leave us alone in the cosmos, but you stooped down into creation and you walked with us. 
I pray, Lord, uh, for restoration for all those who are here this morning. I pray that we would encounter you during this Advent season. But also, Lord, throughout this entire year, as we meditate on your scriptures and on your life, that we would encounter you on a regular basis. We ask this, Lord Jesus Christ, in your holy name. Amen.